Welcome to The Wheel Reads, a Wheel of Time podcast. Your hosts are Alan, Chris, and Ian. This podcast is safe for first-time readers with no spoilers. This week, we'll be covering chapters 4, 5, and 6 of The Dragon Reborn, Shadows Sleeping, Nightmares Walking, and The Hunt Begins. Enjoy! All right, welcome to Season 3, Episode 3, Moving Through the Dragon Reborn. Um, uh, we'll get to personal life. I actually have a story about the Dragon Reborn when we get there. But um, some housekeeping first, Patreons. We do have one new Patreon. Uh, that is Laurel, Laura L, Laurel, I guess is how you say your name. Um, yeah, so thank you. Whoop, whoop. Welcome. Yeah. Welcome um, to the team. Yeah, they haven't joined Discord yet, but um, yeah, happy to have 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 them on board, and um, hopefully soon we'll get them in live recordings and all the other fun stuff. Um, as far as everything else goes, we're like only like a couple hundred away from thirty thousand downloads. So yeah, kind of uh, just a round number. It's arbitrary at this point. No other milestones anywhere else. Um, as far as social media goes, one thing I want to start doing, I know in the very first season, we used to ask for like countries and states and things like that. Um, and we stopped doing it really because it got to the point where we're running out of stuff. Like we have all 50 states now. We have listeners in every, all 50 states. Uh, we have a ton of countries now. So now you're just finding random countries. So rather than doing that, one thing I want to start doing now is highlighting and thanking listeners from countries, our states, um, that we already have listeners from. Yay. Um, so, a new a new country that we have that's listening to us is Malta. Uh, they're little tiny. It's a little tiny island right south of Sicily, off of Italy. Um, actually, used to be an English colony, so they speak English uh, and Italian and Maltese. But it's uh, yeah, cool. Yeah, so we have yeah Malta. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for yeah, thanks for having people from from yeah. That's uh, whenever I find like little tiny small like countries like that like the isle of man we have listeners from that uh tiny little island that's between great britain and ireland <laughs> but it's its own country um it's always fun um i, I enjoy that so question uh, our listener from malta do we know where they or what they downloaded are they starting from the beginning are they starting where yeah, we're at it's starting usually from the beginning um yeah, okay we'll be, i can't hopefully. i can't tell what episodes listening to i can just see what percentage of our listeners are from it's less than one percent for Malta because they're, they're right, well, hang, hang in there, Malta. If you stick with it long enough, you're going to get a shout out, and we love you. Huh. Oh, they just did! <laughs> <laughs> Yay, Malta! Um, so, <laughs> personal life, um, and this is where I got the. I'll talk about the Dragon Reborn a little bit. So, over the weekend, my brother, um, who's on our Discord server, um, uh, never says anything on our Discord server. Uh, he did actually pull it up on his phone to prove that he actually has the app on his phone. But he, he actually, I was like, yeah, we talk about you all the time. Discord. He's like, oh, I got the notifications turned off. And <laughs> he pulled up. He pulled up. Oh, yeah. You guys do talk about me. Um, yeah. So we <laughs> tag him. He doesn't even get the tags. So that's why uh, he's turned off all the notifications uh, completely. Um, but, you know, we got to talk about it all the time because he's read the, the, read the series. Um, his, his wife is only on Chapter 14 of Eye of the World. So I'm gonna try to convince him to get her in our server because that would be a lot of fun. Um, 
because she's she's still on Barillon, uh way back then. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we were talking, and his favorite book in the entire series is The Dragon Reborn, which surprised me because it's it's a good book. It's not my favorite book, but it's his favorite book. So he wants to be on our podcast at some point during this book. So we're going to try to figure out a time yeah. to get my brother to guest host. Um, That'd be awesome. So I'd, I have to work around his schedule because he is a surgeon um, and figure out. And I said, oh, yeah, record on Tuesday nights. He's like, yeah, that's a trivia night. We got to play pub quiz. I was like, do you go to bars? He's like, yeah, we still do. <laughs> we go outside. It's outside. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, you're a doctor. Shouldn't you be like practicing safe? Like, COVID? He's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so um, this is trivia night, uh, Tuesday nights. But I guess uh, he'll maybe make a section. Maybe we'll find another night. Who knows? But yeah. Um, and then also my daughter's uh, first birthday is coming up, so that's th- that's this coming weekend. Oh, so yeah, cool. yay! What are you gonna do? That's a big deal. It is, yeah. So big old number one quarantine birthday party. Yeah, we're doing it family only. Gotcha. Smart, um, and safe. Yeah, I mean, so it's not gonna be like a birthday party. It's gonna be a normal weekend. Yeah. That's a that's a, that's well, a small blessing, though. Like as much as I loved making the early birthdays really big for the kids like it just annoyed the bejesus out of me having all of those people over like the family cool and a couple of really yeah. close friends cool but man some of those i swear there were like 50 people at these birthday parties and i just i didn't like half of them <laughs> yeah well my son has friends now so that makes it even more tough because yeah then we have birthday parties where it gets it gets ridiculous and I, there's there's parents that i don't even know <laughs> who are you and where'd you come from it, it, my wife knows them my wife knows everything uh, i just uh, i don't know any <laughs> i do enough for small talk with work like i don't want to do that when i'm off work <laughs> yeah oh well yeah well yeah last time it was I guess I was last time we went to one of those kids birthday parties one of one of my son's friend's dad's works for nasa and is uh in charge of the mars missions are is on one of the top teams from the mars missions so we just went to the corner and talked the entire night <laughs> now that's that's cool <laughs> and i was like wait tell me about mars let's go over here screw everybody else at this party like i'm gonna be antisocial with you and you know what <laughs> and we're going to <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah how about you guys? What's personal life going on for you? Um, well, I don't have anything exciting. I think you're going to win this one, Alan. Um, I, I'm, I'm in my groove, my routine now. Uh, go to work, go to gym, eat, sleep, repeat. Um, that's about it. The kids came out to the apartment last weekend. That was pretty cool. Uh, I did talk to some of the folks on Discord about that. They loved it. Um, you know, it's not that big of a place, but um, you know, helping them make it their own a little bit. They, they did, um, some, some paintings and I'm going to hang them on the wall. So they got some stuff that's theirs and yeah, it's a good time. And we, uh, we ordered in and played video games and ate good food and got fat and happy. It was great. Hey, you mm-hmm. want to adopt me? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like awesome Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you got time to kill on a weekend, if I'm not at reserves or traveling or whatever. Yeah. Come on out, man. I'd love the company. Uh, So I am headed to Charlotte tomorrow, which is always awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, I have 
sent out a bunch of stuff to parents telling them how much their kids suck, which is a horrible thing to say, but like <laughs> I, I'm looking at my my classes and I'm sitting here putting grades and I'm like, these kids aren't doing a damn thing. And I'm not one of those teachers to tell on the kids, but when I look at my my grade book and it's all in the red, I'm like, okay. I guess I'm gonna be the snitch today. And I like sent progress reports home. So needless to say, I have 20 emails from parents. No, I take that back. I don't have 40 emails from parents, <laughs> which has never happened before. But I guess when you find out that your kids pretty much all have Fs, then you can try to do something about it. So, <laughs> uh, so I'm I'm curious. Are you getting parents that are like, you know, on Team Chris and they're like, hey, what do I need to do to help you to help my kid? Or are you getting the parents that are like, my kid's perfect. They don't do anything wrong. You're effed up. Like, you're the problem. You getting any I'm of that? I'm not getting any of that, believe it or not. Because it's like Good. missing work. Like, okay. It literally says missing. I'm not docking the points. I'm not giving them zeros. I just, I'm able to code it as missing. So the kids have the opportunity to get the work done. If the parents just log on to their kid's computer, they're going to see the work was never completed. So there's not much arguing there. <laughs> good, good, good. And then um, <clears throat> at the end of the day, it's like, I, you know, I don't ha I'm, I'm accepting work that's like two and a half weeks late when I only have to wait five days and then I can award a zero. So... There's all that, and then I have my big praxis. I'm taking it, signed up again for it to, for tomorrow, and realize like tonight that I literally still haven't studied for it. So probably not the best thing to do to be taking a, a test that you have to pay for again without studying for it. But I'm just going to jump into it and hope that through the the teaching that I've done, since I've done such a good job at that, that I'll be able to pass this test and not have to worry about taking it again and if i don't pass it then at least i'll know where i stand the last time i was only two questions off maybe this time i'll get those two questions i need and be good to go so all of the things <laughs> am i the only one that heard the story of chris the teacher talking about his students not getting their work done <laughs> and then chris the student going i haven't gotten my work done <laughs> <laughs> This COVID's got us all messed up, man. This this, this, the I, this this test is like for my job, but all I have time to do is my job and then my schoolwork. So like my schoolwork, I have an A in, in one class. I got to be in the other class for my work. I'm like two and a half weeks ahead of my lesson planning. I got all my assignments created all the way through the first week of December. And then I like realized I put all this effort into getting ahead everywhere else. And I was like, why have I been working so hard to get ahead? And I remembered, oh, yeah, I have to take this test. I'm supposed to get ahead by a week and a half and then focus for a couple of weeks on studying for this test. But you, like, get into the groove of work and things that are constant in life, and then you get something like this that you only do once, hopefully once or twice in a lifetime, and you forget all about it. So that's that's kind of where that stands. <laughs> yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, we're pulling you, man. Thank you. Well, yeah, fun times. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's move into predictions. Um, there was really one prediction that stood out from last week um, that I really highlighted. Like, if you guys can remember other ones, but the big one that I remember was Ian's kind of like going on and on, on about it. 
was that uh, parent and men are going to be a thing. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> which, which gets shot down in these chapters, so we'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Hey, the book is young. The book the, is young. The book is young. Uh, there we go. So, um, and then also um, a couple of, I'm just going to bring in some old predictions, just revisit them. Cause this was, these were things that were, I just, yeah. Cause we don't have any predictions yet for this book. I'll just pull back some old ones. Matt's going to kill Pat and Fane with a dagger. Uh, with the dagger. That was a prediction from a while back. Um, Jane Farstrider is important. Because he keeps on showing up, or at least talking about his book, uh, Ventures to Change Farstrider. Rand turns evil, and Matt's power is that he's the wild card. So, yeah, those are some ones (laughs) we kind of come back to a few times. Some of them we have, some of them we haven't. But just bring those back up, see what you guys' thoughts are, any of their predictions you guys have had for the past that you guys want to talk about. Feel free. I I think they've all got potential still uh and we've definitely seen matt doing some wild card shit uh, especially with the horn uh, i i still crack up when i think about that like everybody freaking out and he's like bro uh we can have it later but let's also use it now <laughs> why not yeah it's like that's that was beautiful mm-hmm. uh also again i'm not putting like hard prediction on it but i'm, I'm starting to question whether or not uh lan is dabbling in the dark arts um I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before that. I started bringing that up, but you know, did, yes, yeah. yeah, you did. Okay, he, yeah, he's but, he's a little sus. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was another one you did that lands, but you brought that one up before. Yeah, uh, that but you brought it back but up. It, yes, but it can be one of those weird things like they're doing the <laughs> thing for the right reasons, and Moraine's in on it. So I don't, I don't know how to label that, but so there's a anyway, double agent. Something like that, yeah. Which is kind of cool when you think about it. He's like a James Bond. Now I now I feel better about it. (laughs) So, before we get into the actual chapter, one other announcement that I forgot to make that we need to make is next week we will have a content creator on. So we do have a guest. Uh, That's gonna be Vance from the Gleeman. Will be on next week with us. So. it will be a while for anybody listening live before you hear it um, come out because we're like two weeks ahead, or we, at least a week ahead. So, but for anybody listening to this the normal time next week, uh, Vance the Gleeman, so or from the Gleeman. So yeah, we'll look forward to it. Um, it should be fun. So let's move right into chapter four: shadows sleeping, and the icon was a wolf. So let's let's talk about shadows sleeping. Initial thoughts. Going, I, th- I think we knew it was going to be a dream because I think in the last yeah, he was, chapter he was ended. going to sleep in the last chapter. So, you yeah. know, there's a whole lot of me that was just like, is Perrin going to fall into the shadows um, while he, like, I know it says shadow sleeping. So my mind was going into a million different directions about, you know, I want this book to be all about parents. So is he going to start giving into the shadows? Is he going to start looking at the dark side, or is he just going to be contested multiple times by Beelzebub, or are there going to be other characters in the shadow that are coming after him now? Like There were a lot of thoughts going in that direction. And then the other side of that was, are people going to come... Like I hear shadow sleeping, like, finally going to start coming out of the shadows. 
I know it doesn't necessarily make sense, but in my mind it did. Mike, so who's about to start popping up? Who's going to come yeah. out and, and be a part of the world now? So mm-hmm. all of that. Yep. Yeah, yep. I, I didn't I didn't know what to think so much before I started reading. Um, but you know, after reading these chapters, I, I'm wondering if shadow sleeping, especially relating to Perrin, uh, is there something about Perrin's uh, powers kind of taking over him and the and the the instinct that that kind of forces his will? Like, is it is it somehow going to pit him against Rand and what Rand's doing? Like. Maybe not so much that he, be, you know, becomes part of the shadow, but maybe there's there's something about these powers that he has that um, instinctively will want to try and stop Rand. So, like, maybe they're they're forced to be like enemies at some point. I, I don't know. Hmm. And again, not not much in the reading to really support that, but just my mind coming up with wild, oh shit, what if this happened, sort of thing. Sure. Well, we start. We, let's get right into it. So, parents starts uh, in an inn. Um, so, uh, there's a fireplace going, but there's no warmth coming from the fireplace. And there's a man sit at the table. Um, Beelzebub. <laughs> but I thought I thought Beelzebub was dead, right? No. <laughs> no. We, how many do we have left? Apparently, Rand has to kill him at the end of every book. So, it's like it's. It's like Bowser and the Princess of Mario, all right? You know, it's not the real Bowser. You have to kill all the other Bowsers before you get to the actual Bowser. Great. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there's a man sitting there. Um, he tells Perrin to give the axe. Um, and he sees the man, something about his chest, like the man's touching his chest like it's hurt or something like that. Um and, and Perry tells him he doesn't want to get the axe up yet. So let's start with this opening scene, what you guys' initial thoughts were. Like, this is our first time seeing our good our good friend Ballsy again. So. <laughs> what did you. Yeah, so I know. I heard something totally different when you said that. Continue. Uh, yeah. Ballsy? Okay. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm calling him now, is Ballsy. Uh, yeah, so. we're, we're glitching. I thought it was Skeletor. Oh, Skeletor, yeah. 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 Ballsy. Um, so just pointing out the obvious, you know, similarities in the dreams now with the, uh, the fires that don't give out any warmth or anything. Uh, again, I'm not smart enough to like read into that and see what the imagery is, but, uh, I guess I'm kind of hoping at some point we get more of an explanation of why that is. Um, I guess if I had a guess, maybe because in this dream world, we're in this in-between if not mirror world, like this in-between plane. So like, you know, all the physics doesn't exactly add up. So while he sees the flames, he doesn't feel them. So I, I don't know. It, it makes me kind of like, as I picture it, like things aren't crystal clear, like everything's hazy. It's like he kind of exists on this plane, but not really. Well, yeah. it's it's because he doesn't want the sweat to run down its balls. Mm. So that's. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, this is not that kind of podcast. You need to clean it up, okay? Jeez. Oh, all right, all right. anything like last episode, God, give me forever to edit this thing. Just a bunch of bleeps. Yeah, exactly. That's all I got for the opening. 
Okay. I mean, Chris, it, it, he looks so he's he appears so shady, literally and figuratively. Like I don't. In the first book, he was just like blatantly like out there. Biazama, that is. Like, I am the lord of this land, and you will do what I tell you to do, and yada, 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 yada. And now he's kind of, like, almost quivering in the background. Like, he's super apprehensive to approach, and he is trying to manipulate, and he is using lies, and he's covering his appearance. Like, maybe he's not completely there. Maybe... He's like a cat and has nine lives, and every time he's killed, he loses a little bit of himself. I don't know. Maybe he's a horror crux. Who knows? <laughs> but um, it, he almost he's apprehensive to directly approach Perrin now. I think he is equally scared that Perrin will embrace not him, but the wolf in him, and he won't be able to control him, and he might actually be taken out by him. So... I had a lot of different thoughts there based on what I was seeing. All right. So the man who's here, uh, we'll just call him Biazamon. Um, he gives on telling Perrin about fate, gets to talk about it, offers him a drink. Um, Perrin kind of gets suspicious about the drink. He refuses to take it. Um, and then he gets the last cryptic message he gets. is something about three threads are one. All you have to do is cut one, and they're all, all done or something like that. And at that point, Perrin goes to leave, feels a bunch of heat behind him, turns back, and the room's empty. So that that ends the the Bialzaman section. So quick questions. Like, what do you think about, like, this cup? We had a cup before they wanted to drink from back in the very first book, if you remember that. That was so long ago. Yeah, so we had it from Rand's perspective, and the and – but Perrin and Matt, That's when true, this is back in Barrelon, we know whether or not the yeah. other boys drank of the cup. We questioned that, and then we both said mm-hmm. that if anybody, Matt would have been the one to drink from it. <laughs> right? Yeah. So here goes another offering of this cup, and once again, like just like Rand turned it down before, Perrin turns it down at least in first person point of view. They, they all claimed they did before, but yeah i'm I'm guessing if somebody were to drink from it it there's something about it that would strengthen the connection between the two planes that they currently exist in, you know giving Bialsamon or whomever stronger control over that person um, but so far we don't know because everybody's turned it down that we know of mm-hmm. yeah I think when it that I want to know what the liquid is in the cup. I want to know the significance. And then, well, I won't jump ahead. Um, it. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's like a poison because it kind of what happens in the dream world can impact them in the physical. So maybe it's a poison. Maybe it's going to strip them of the power. Maybe it's going to kill them because we know Biazamai can control them, be it living or dead. So I just have these. Yeah, he controls yeah, the graves. So it's the like grave. a poison, or they tr- like is the significance of the cup the giving yeah. in? Maybe it's not anything more than symbolic of you know, like you sip from my cup now, you know, dip it in my Kool Aid because you wanted in my flavor, so I'm gonna let you have some, and you're gonna be all about me now. So 
I'm interested to see what happens with Matt since we know he drank from the cup. <laughs> hmm. Well, we know from watching Constantine that cats are a good conduit between both worlds. They're, you know, they're one foot in, one foot out. So maybe it's just like a concoction, like made from hairballs from a cat or something. Mm. You know, maybe, maybe. Yeah, that's clearly what it is. So yeah. So and then the other question I had was about those three threads. So I mean, I, you know, I assume that would be the three boys, but then you know, cut cut one. It's just like cutting them all. So thoughts about that? Like, are they all important in themselves? Well, I mean, it, gosh, it, when hmm, I kind of think of what is it called? <laughs> exactly. I can't think of it anymore. Cross stitching, or I think about you know crocheting. Like each different thread mm-hmm. depends on the other to hold the pattern steady. And though you have like mm-hmm. your center thread that you're weaving the other two around, depending on your stitch, if one of those comes loose, it'll all unravel. So, I mean, it's a good analogy for the simple fact that they depend on each other. Like the Rand might be the strongest, most important thread. You know, he's going to depend on his friends for, you know, whatever it is they have to do in the next... <laughs> in books um and you know like they say that the chain is only as strong as its weakest link so if the link breaks then your ship goes down or you lose your ship to the to the storm so maybe it may be more on a, of a mental aspect like Rand is going to depend on matt and perrin to keep him mentally grounded maybe that's mm. how he overcomes his crazes through his Love and friendship. How hoaxy would that be? Yeah. So I, I definitely, I focused on that, highlighted that, and I thought about it a little more simply. I, you know, I thought back to when we traveled through the stones and everybody got a glimpse of all these different, like possible lives or um, different variations of how things could have turned out or maybe did turn out in, in different lives where like one little thing was changed and one little thing was different. And the outcome was, you know, uh, I went, I went again, lose there. And, you know, the, the, the hero loses. Um, and so maybe I'm assuming being that we have all these books that we are now on a path where the good guy wins in the end. Uh, but for that to happen, you know, there's certain storylines, there's certain relationships and characters that are critical to, to seeing that through. And one little change to that critical path, like oh, maybe if, um, you know, Pater died from getting punched in the face, it, it wouldn't have really drastically changed things. Or, you know, maybe if some other insignificant character didn't show up, it, maybe it, it wouldn't change things. But there's a couple of core people that if if their role isn't played out a certain way, there's no way they win. And, you know, I'm assuming that's mm-hmm. Matt Perrin and, and Rand. So, sure. Cool. So then we uh, we shift now. Uh, he literally shifts and sees himself as a warrior, um, and refuses the image of himself. And suddenly, a woman shows up, and she's really pretty. Run <laughs> <laughs> away! Run away! It's a trap! <laughs> it's a trap! Yeah. So, so who do you think this woman is? 
Celine Dion. Celine. 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 Yeah. So um, she she shows up as well, um, and she tells him that you know uh, he's the grass is dusty. Start you know I think we've heard this stuff before. Um, you know. Well, that- hold on, come on. I underlined that line. Now we're back to the sexual innuendo. A man should grasp his destiny <laughs> with both hands. <laughs> he's to seek the glory. Appearances isn't want glory. Um, he just wants to be a blacksmith. <laughs> um, and she kind of looks him strange for that, but then offers him a cup as well. And he refuses again. Um, and then she leaves saying, I'll always be in your dreams, which is really yeah, creepy. Yeah, kind of was. So, I'll never let go. Yeah, I'll never let go. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so thoughts about uh, about Landfish. Well, I think the, the part that interests me most was that she too had the, the cup or the chalice, whichever, and the color shifted. Like, first it kind of represented her and her appearance as being silver, and then it shifted to gold. So it makes you think, does she still really... Mm. Is there a greater power than Beelzebub that they serve, and they're both trying to flip Perrin for this greater power, or is she in service of Beelzebub, even though she claims that she isn't? Um, what's this cup with this liquid is definitely a huge focus that we need to figure out as soon as possible, mm-hmm. because for whatever reason, it it makes a huge difference. I just want to know what. In any thoughts about this interaction? I I got nothing good. I'm just super curious to okay. to know more about her, you know, sure. and and what her motives are. I, but I, I've got no guesses. Oh yeah, uh, yeah she, I mean, she's straight tripping. Don't get me wrong; that's <laughs> obvious. <clears throat> but yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So then, Paris shifts again. This time now, he's in plain clothes. He's not in a warrior outfit. He's just in regular regular close um and he's in like a stone place like overlooking like a kind of like a stone i guess battlements or castle or some kind of lots of stone uh, and he sees a woman in a white white dress hurrying away uh, kind of ducking around the corner and then a man shows up and a second man and he tries to hear them talking and can't really hear but they argue obviously they're arguing with each other and a third man shows up um, and he thinks he recognizes a third man um, and they all start arguing. Um, so do you think this is symbology or do you think this is actually happening or who do you think these people are? What, what's your thoughts about I all this? I kind of thought like it was like a strange. glimpse of the past. Like he had been okay. in this space before in a past life, he'd seen this happen. Like that, that was one thought. The other thought was, was the whole time he was in this dream, the wolves were trying to get in and give him a warning. Well, maybe this was part of it. Maybe they were seeing yeah. something and they forced that into his mind. So it was happening in the current real time. So I'm torn between those two thoughts. I could be completely off the mark, but. Interesting. Um, it, I, I tell you, the way, the way Jordan writes these, these dream sequences, I mean, it's not fair. Like, I feel like I need to be high or on acid or something like that to give you quality content or cause I'm, I got, I got nothing. I mean, it's interesting. I I'm 
super curious about all of this, but I'm also dumbfounded. I'm like, what, what the hell is going on? And all the dreams seem to be that way for me. Like, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and then they all get envel- enveloped in a fireball. And that uh, was the trippiest part uh, of it all. It was like Perrin. the fireball, him feeling the heat, him looking it's all gone. It like, like it never happened. Yeah. And the bridge is gone. Like the bridge bridge is blown up and all the men are gone. And then he looks up and sees a wolf. Maybe he was seeing something in the past. Um, Maybe he was seeing something that the wolves have seen in the past. Maybe he was seeing something current that the wolves were seeing. Like all of these different thoughts came into my mind. The idea of it being in the past seems more realistic to me. But. Yeah. Yeah. When he sees the, but yeah, when he sees the wolf, he wants to wake up, but instead shifts into a large room with red columns. Uh, you know, these big red columns, yeah. which is the front of the book, if you guys didn't know. And yeah. in, the middle, in the middle of the room is a crystal f- sword floating in the air. And he knows the name of the sword for some reason. He can't really figure out why. It's called Kalendor. Um, and he can't touch it, but he knows whoever wields it will, wields destiny. Um, you know, and um, yeah, for four nights, he's actually had the dream about this sword now. And this is the first time I guess he tried. He actually had more interaction with it. So, you know, trying to reach out and touch it, and something invisible blocked him from touching it. But something was different about this time. It spoke to him. It used words. Yes. Let me find the actual words. That was something. Who wields me go. wields destiny. I I wonder whether or not either one of the boys could use the sword. Maybe it is a choice. Um, maybe either one of them could be the dragon reborn. And... I mean, because we don't really know much about the Dragon Reborn other than like what we know from the prophecies. And prophecies are much like a science almost where you're never quite sure what they mean until they've been fulfilled. Just like you never really have an exact answer with science. It's always an educated guess to the mm-hmm. closest to right thing. So maybe you know, any one of them sure. could maybe use maybe parent is the dragon reborn but instead of him channeling he just overran somehow and ran channels for him maybe he becomes the king and ran becomes his magician maybe we'll we'll take it that route or maybe it'll be matt maybe matt is the ultimate power of good and evil you know he has the dagger and then he gets the sword and then he becomes like a super badass and then rules the world who knows I mean, maybe the prophecies over time are just wrong about the channeling channeling aspect of the Dragon Reborn, because we've already seen where stories told over time and across distances, they change so much. And yeah, the core bits of it are important, but a lot of the details change. Um, and if if the original prophecies, if like the original foretellings was somebody more like Perrin that would come along and be the Dragon Reborn, and... Perrin has unique gifts, powers, if you will, that if you didn't know anything about it, all you could assume is, well, he must be able to channel. Like, he must be a male Aes Sedai because 
He does stuff supernatural, something that normal people can't do. Uh, and they've just, you know, misconstrued that along the ways. And they're like, well, it's, it's going to be a guy that could channel and yada, yada, yada. So, yeah, maybe, maybe it was supposed to be him all along. I don't know. So many ifs, so many maybes. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I guess at this point, then the wolves say, Twisted Ones send the. Tw- the wolf says, Twisted Ones are coming. Um, Parent tries to refuse, refuse the wolf and wakes up. And all he can hear in his head is, The Twisted Ones are co- The Twisted Ones come. And that ends the chapter. And we know what the Twisted Ones are from the past. I still think it's awesome that the wolves can reach him even in this state. In in the, this dream sequence, I just wish he was so stubborn. Yeah, yeah. I, I talked about it before. Like, parents a bit of an a hole for keeping all this to himself. Like, I, I think the time is definitely ripe for him to confide in his friends and even Moraine at this point. And uh, you know, just put it out there. Hey, this is what's going on. This is what I'm able to do. You think he'd be curious? You know, cons- considering his nature and how intentional he is with thought and decision making, everything. You think he'd be curious enough to try and find out more information about what's happening to him, but he just he's he's a not simple life sometimes it's just not much, tapping into any resources. Easier. I guess. Maybe. So um anything we I missed? We did a pretty good job of covering that chapter. All right, moving on to chapter five, Nightmares Walking. And the icon is Trollocs. So why do we still describe these things as nightmares? They are not special know. anymore. Nothing special about them. <laughs> Any, anybody could take on a Trolloc. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're still yeah. kind of crazy, scary looking, right? And they're gigantic beasts, like half man, half whatever. They're gigantic. Yeah. I mean, they'd, they'd be scary. Uh, Alan, don't don't judge a book by its cover. They might be very sensitive beings, like, and just nobody's taking the time to get to know them. Sure. <laughs> uh anyways so um let's get right into the chapter so Perrin knows something's up right away because the wolves told him the twisted ones come which is pretty cool that's what the wolves call um uh trollocs or twisted ones so kind of cool that the wolves have their own name for for them i don't know just thought it was. <laughs> so parent grabs his axe and runs out um, without even putting clothes on. So he runs out like basically his underwear out of his hut and he sees the Trollocs coming. Before he can even yell, Lan comes busting out yelling Trollocs, Trollocs. Um, and Lan starts dicing them up like just being Lan, like just crazy dicing them all up. And, and Moraine comes out and starts throwing fireballs and using the one power and you know, things start going crazy real fast. So it, it's a lot of action. So this whole this whole chapter is a whole lot of action. So uh, what's your initial thoughts about this, like this opening scene of just coming out to complete chaos? Uh, so timing-wise, Lan... Let me make sure I'm reading this right. Lan seemed to know just about the same time that Perrin knew. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's no mention of any other extra way or notice or by anybody. So 
We the, know Perrin knew early because the wolves were telling him. Right, but Lankin got his fun because that's yeah. part of the order. Yeah, that's. And then he, and of course, tells Moraine. So Moraine comes busting out, and you know, where's Heron in all this? Like he, he should have smelled them coming from miles away. Did yeah. he? Did he, did he go back to? Did he travel with Matt? Did I miss something? I don't know. They haven't mentioned him yet. He might yeah. be with Matt and company. I yeah. can't remember. But remember, he, he senses yeah. like where they've been, not necessarily. No, but where they're if going. they're closer, then the yeah, smell of blood think, and stuff would be fresher yeah. and fresh. Yeah. But then, I, think, I, think, I, I think Heron went with Matt. So he's not he's not here. Yeah. Her, her, her's not here. We haven't heard from him. So Yeah. Well, I got, I've been wondering that for a little while now. But so anyway, we got we got two people that know that the, that they're coming, but Matt just isn't as instinctively Sharp as Lan is. And Perrin. Or Perrin. Um, sorry. Yeah. Matt saw my brain now that we said his name like four times. It's how, Chris, yeah. how easily Chris can get distracted from the proper name. Anyway, so Perrin is not as instinctively sharp mm-hmm. as Lan is. So, of course, like he can't get it out before Lan can. So he just has to follow up. That's what she said. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm glad you took the bait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, at this point, Perrin does see uh, our, our good friend, uh, Leah, uh, step out. And Perrin immediately knows that she's in trouble. So he tries to yell at her, but of course, it's there's there's battle going on, so she can't hear him. So he starts to run towards towards her. And a trollic blocks his path, um, but you know, Perrin k- kills the Trolloc and continues on, just goes completely rage mode, just dicing the Trolloc up too. And um, You would think she'd have sense enough to go back in. It's like the Tluathlon woman pressed her back against the log wall, a hand to her throat. The light from the burning tree showed him the pain and horror, the loathing on her face as she watched the carnage. Sense enough would say, Get back inside. Like, That's enough would have been never to come out. Agreed. I, I agree with that. But, you know, give her the benefit of the doubt. Curiosity sometimes overcomes sense. Sure. But when you're like 100% disgusted by what you're seeing and you're horrified, it's like fight or flight. I didn't know freeze was a part of that. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, some, people, some people do deer in headlights. Freeze and terror and you want to see how fast yeah. I am? Give me something I don't like. Something I'm really afraid <laughs> of. I'll show you how fast a big boy can move. <laughs> uh, don't get yeah. me wrong. I'll fight too, but uh, I can yeah. move pretty quickly. And I am not against sacrifice. Right. Yeah. So there's there's a Trolloc about to kill Laya. And, um, you know, he's and Perrin distracts the Trolloc. So Perrin's like, finally, the Trolloc goes and actually bites Perrin. Um, but Perrin's able to kill it as well. Gets up, sees Laya, but then it fades right there, standing right next to her. We are like skipping over that scene. That scene was pretty gnarly. Like I enjoyed that. He's like begging for, for her to run and hide, and then he goes, a trollic loomed over him, a cruelly hooked beak where its mouth and nose had been, black mail and spikes covered it from shoulder to knee. And it moved on a hawk's talons as it sung one of those strangely curved swords. 
it smelled of sweat and dirt and blood. Perrin crouched under the slash, shouting wordlessly as he struck out with his axe. He knew he should have been afraid, but urgency suppressed fear. All that mattered was that he had to reach Leia, had to get her to safety, and the Trolloc was in the way. Like, the the description there, just like, I can see it's just this creature with this awesome black male on, like, going after him. And then being who he is, being this big, bulky guy, but being able to just, like, duck low and then strike with ferocity, kind of wolf would, that instinct kicking in, like, that just excites me. And it's like the trollic fell, roaring and kicking. Perrin did not know where he had hit it or if it were dying or merely hurt. He leaped over it where it lay thrashing and ran scrambling up the slopes. So, like, Perrin is kind of tunnel vision focused on Leia for whatever reason. Like, yeah, I understand she's an innocent, but she's also kind of dense in the head if you're going to come out in the middle of all this and not keep yourself protected. Like, what, what sense does it make? He's putting his life in danger for somebody who clearly isn't able enough to get out of the way and then he knows what the what men told him like no matter what she's gonna die so he's risking his life for no reason i guess that's that whole hero uh what is what's the word for it i can't think there's a literary term for it but when you just have to be a hero so you have to do the hero thing and then he watches her die anyway so yeah yeah. yeah. Well, you, yeah. you you definitely covered it all. I'll add this because I some of my frustrations are the same. I'm a okay with somebody being a pacifist. I'm a okay with somebody not wanting to fight, not choosing violence. That's all right. Um, what I have no patience for is knowing you're a pacifist, knowing you're not going to use violence, knowing you aren't going to fight, and then somehow get yourself in the middle of it and just stand there, like. I mean, what's the game plan to scream at the Trollocs? Guys, stop, please stop. Like, yeah, that's, I think Perrin tried too hard at this point. I'd have looked at her and be like, well, she dumb and moved on and just kept killing Trollocs. That's, he was too invested here. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even getting Can't laid. stupid. Yeah. So, <laughs> yep. So, yeah. So we moved to the fade now. So now there's a merge hole standing right, standing right next, next to Laya. And, um, but it's moving towards him, and suddenly, uh, Lia starts start, tries to stop the fade, which is kind of a dumb move. She goes and tries to like you know reach out, and like the fade just casually like doesn't even the flick of the wrist, like doesn't even look, just like cuts her out, dices her up, like whatever, like it's nothing, um, and kills her, just there, <laughs> so. And at this moment, that's where uh, Perrin hears the sending from the wolves um, where it says, we come. And the wolves enter the battles. So now you have wolves. That, that, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> what did they say? We come. That's what she said. <laughs> oh. Sorry. I, I missed it. I had to bring him back to it. My bad. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so the wolves enter the battle uh, everywhere. And, um, yeah, you learn that the that the tro- they call the Trollocs Twisted Ones, and the Mergel are called Neverborns. Um, and what the wolves call them, 
uh, and Perrin goes into attack to fade. So let's talk about Love this it. dude because it's a pretty badass because he goes full wolf mode. Like, <laughs> yeah, but before we start running, two things I want to note. Um, I'm I'm taking a step back just a little bit here. One, because uh, I'm crazy tired tonight, if that hasn't sunk in anybody. But two, when I read this, this is another one of those chapters uh, where when I read it, I was just thinking about Chris the whole time. I knew when he got to this, he would be losing his shit. Not just because <laughs> it's a parent chapter, but I mean, it's, it's parent wolfing out and all that jazz. So <laughs> I'm also just acting like a, uh, a, a listener and sitting back and, and I'm more curious to just hear Chris talk about it than anything. <laughs> but it's amazing. <clears throat> To Chris, let's talk about it. <laughs> I, I really, I, oh man, where do I? Start? Good old young bull. I know we like, so we do have the shift from from parent to young bull, which I think is really cool because we we have almost like a split personality here. It, it mm-hmm. kind of. Mm-hmm. It's distracting to me, and it's a little bit confusing how quickly Perrin loses himself to whatever this is. Like, we don't really have a definition for what happens to him yet. Like, we know he goes wolf mode, but what does that really mean? Like, is he losing himself purely to instinct, and is this really his natural inclination? Like, we see Perrin as this really soft, caring person who's just strong as hell, and then all of a sudden you have like an alter ego. It's like Dr. Jackal, Mr. Hyde. It's always um, antagonized. Like it's not like he chooses to just, okay, now I'm going to do this. Like it always comes after a major threat and then some form of death. It's like he said, or the, the quote, cold seeped through Perrin's arms and legs as the Mitchell stared at him. His chest felt like a lump of ice. Leia, he whispered. It was all he could do not to run. Leia, please hide. Please. So Mike's instinct is to protect, which if we know anything about our, our canine friends, they will indeed put themselves between us in the event of something coming to impact us horribly. Mm-hmm. And then you have the half man, you have the the fade walking slowly towards him, and he makes a statement, cut one leg of the tripod and all fall down. So that goes back to that whole concept of the the three um the three chords or intertwined or whatever, however you want to yeah. say it. Like it goes back to the same concept, but he uses the word tripod. So that implies a little bit more in my mind because this implies like a solid physical, like it gives you a nice visual that's outside of the weaving of the wheel. So I, I appreciate yeah, they, that. They support one another, lean on one another. Exactly. Like the, the, the idea behind the, the thread is that you have one main, but in a tripod, there's not a main. All are e- all equally support. Yeah. So that stuck out in my mind that that was the term used rather than, you know, slice one thread of the the weaving and it all crumbles or it all, you know, falls apart. Here it's like you cut one leg. I, I that just stuck out to me big time. And then the fact that mm-hmm. Leia gave yeah. up, like, 
I, I, could you say that she kind of came out of herself? She's no longer in that pacifist moment. Like she actually lashed out. Now, mind you, she was just grabbing for the legs of the, the midril. Like, would she have? Is it in her nature? That, can, that? that counts yeah, as violence. That counts as violence. So that's like that hit me in my mind. I'm like that counts as violence. So what pulled her to parents so much? Was it just because he was just that kind to her? Like, or was it like internal instinct? And so, you know, I kind of, I, she gained a little bit of favor I, in my mind when she did that, you know, she sacrificed I, herself. I think if we're curious as to why she was pulled towards Perrin, um, I didn't tell y'all, but I, I have with me tonight. He's just sitting next to me. He hasn't said anything yet though, but loyal's here with me. So, uh, loyal, why was she pulled towards Perrin? Uh, Tavira. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Tavira. <laughs> it's Loyal's so, favorite word. Yeah, go, go back to reading, Loyal. Go back to reading. Yes. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Thing, yeah. There's Kim. We have the trigger. I'm glad you granted Chris, I, I was just going to say, all I highlighted there was like, I, I drew a line where there was a transition where Perrin was still like struggling to embrace his humanity. Like he wanted to save this, what he knew was a lost cause. According to men, she was going to die. And so he's trying to help her, right? That's the humanity. And then boop, she dies. Wolves are there, you know, and he transitions from Perrin to young bull and shit hits the fan. Like there is a. It says the words inside his mind made his head ring like a struck bell. The reverations shivered through him. With the words came the wolves, scores of them flooding into his mind as if he were aware of them flooding into the bowl-shaped valley. Mountain wolves, almost as tall as a man's waist, all white and gray, coming out of the night at the run. Aware of the two-legged surprise as they darted in to take twisted ones. Wolves filled him until he could barely remember being a man. His eyes gathered the light, shining gold yellow, and the half man stopped its advance as if suddenly uncertain. Mm-hmm. Oof. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Never yeah. born. Young bull's fat, like- lips curling back into a snarl. He threw it moving like a viper. Seriously and deadly, black swords quickly as lightning, but he was young bull. That was what the wolves called him, young bull with the steel that that he wielded with his hands. He was one with the wolves. He was a wolf, and the wolf would die a hundred times over to see one of the never-born go down. He full-on embraced. I don't know that he even had a choice in the matter. I think the minute yeah. he became overwhelmed with hurt and pain and anger, he kind of blacked out and became his alter ego, his other self. Like, it, this is really funny. And, uh, you know, I wish my sister were here to confirm this. Um, when I was a kid, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they used to call me the bull. Uh, hey. and that's because when, when I got Tatanka. angry 
all I could do to think to let my frustration out. I didn't want to hurt anybody, but I just like I would just feel this rage, so I blindly charge. And if I not, mm, that's not, that's not terrifying. <laughs> if like <laughs> even at twelve, I was five eleven and like two hundred pounds. Like I was a good sized kid when I was playing little league soccer. I got kicked off the team because I was too aggressive. Like, how can you be too aggressive in a soccer oh game? That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, I guess it does. That's why they created rugby. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, that's not the one red cards. Red cards as yeah, well. Huh? Yeah. I actually put my fingers up into the air and like three horns, and I charge and I would headbutt as hard as I could in the stomach. So like I went, I had a flashback to my childhood. I was re- as I was reading this because it was instinctive, like. Yeah, I knew I could use my hands. I knew I could use my legs. I knew I could kick and punch. But all I wanted to do was just, like, take you out as quick. And I wanted to use everything I had in me to do it. And, like, reading this, it was just like, man, he just went <laughs> at him. He said the fade fell back before him. It's starting blade <laughs> now trying to deflect his slashes. Hamstring and throat. That was how Wolves killed. Young Bull suddenly threw himself to one side and dropped to a knee, axe slicing at the back of the half-man's knee. It screamed a blood-burrowing sound to raise his hairs at any other time and fell, catching itself with one hand. The half-man, the never-born, still held its sword firmly, but before it could set itself, Young Bull's axe struck again half-severed, the midgel's head flopped over to hang down its back. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I think about what I used to do to my sister. Mind you, I was younger. Like, I was like eight years old, but like, I would charge and I would hit her so hard and she would drop to the floor. She'd drop to the couch. I would throw my entire body at her and before she could even move, I would be charging again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I, like I'm reading the scene, and I'm like, God, if I had an axe, what would I have done? <laughs> yeah. Wow! I hope yeah. you still. I, hope I have you... one now. <laughs> Remind me not to piss you off again, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so what I love here is right after what he read, we had a little um, Monty Python Holy Grail Black Knight scene where. The, the Midril's head flopped over to hang down its back, yet still leaning there on one hand, the Neverborn slashed wildly with its sword. So it's like missing an arm, missing a leg, head's cut off, and the Fade sit there, like, swinging his sword, be like, come at me! <laughs> but a flesh wound. Yeah. Tis but a scratch. Uh, and a- and after, after Parent decapitates the Fade, uh, for the most part, um, he kind of stand there stunned, and the wolves actually have to call him back to battle. Um, so here's the wolves, and the wolf takes over Perrin. You know, he talks about Perrin slays more Trollocs. Um, he felt the urge to use his teeth and run on all fours. Yeah, yeah. So, mm. yeah, all of that. Just- Chris and I know, I know you got like the war going on. There's this crazy scene and everything, but it's it's surprising that really the only thing people catch on to after this is him howling and nobody really noticed him woofing out like this. I mean, yeah, I mean, 
This this is above and beyond what anybody could have possibly thought Perrin was capable of. of. They weren't really paying attention to what was going on around them. So, like, to to be fair, if we were in that moment, bloodlust, because he didn't actually go on all fours. He still ran. He thought. He had these thoughts, but he never acted on them. So it's just like he thought about going on all fours. He thought about dropping his axe. He thought about using his teeth to tear into the throats. Like, And I'm not directly quoting, so please, people, if I'm getting it wrong, I apologize. This is all my memory. But um, it says he, he had the urge to rush down the slope and join his brothers to join in the killing of more twisted ones. Like He, he had these thoughts. But then there was still that human side of him in there that was like, you need to check on Leia. You need to check on your people. You need to handle what's going on here. I think that's what, you know, helps him to remain differentiated between who he is and what he could become. And I think that's the struggle that we're going to see throughout this entire book with all three boys. So there's a prediction is, you know, this book is going to be about the struggle of, determining how to stay in the here and now. I think that, that, I mean, it's Mm -hmm. been a common theme, but I think even more so as they start to gain in power, they start to lose in control or of control. What about the similarities between this and Rand at the end of eye of the world? Like he's just resisting it, resisting it, resisting it, and eventually gets to the point he's like, "This shit has to stop." And it, and then, like in that moment, it consumes him. And it's not like he was ever in control of it, really. It just took him over, and like shit hit the fan. And I, I know different things are happening, but there's there's similarities in and how they're trying to fight it, and how they're trying to, you know, I'm just a blacksmith. I'm just a sheep herder, like oh, wait a minute, you know, I could channel like never before, or, oh, by the way, I can wolf out and rip Fade's heads off. Like, There's a lot of parallels, but they're all mm-hmm. severe. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think, Loyal? Oh, <clears throat> I think severe. Uh, <laughs> yes. <Tiberian. laughs> ah, thanks, Loyal. <laughs> thanks, buddy. Go back to your book. <laughs> yeah. So... The, the the fight ends with the Trollocs turning turning to run away. Um, he feels the, tr- the the wolves chasing after them and and feels them take out a fade, and and then they all howl to to mourn their dead. And and Perrin joins in the howling too. And Mint's just stay there like, uh, Perrin, are you okay? Like, because <laughs> at this point all the Trollocs have left, and everybody's kind of you know the battle simmered down, so everybody's kind of starting to gain their wits back to them. And here's Perrin just. Just howling. That's some Lord of the Fly shit right there. He's just lost his mind. Mm-hmm. So what did you guys think about that? I, I guess I'm starting to see it more like how Chris was saying. You know, when I was reading it, I was like, okay, the you know gig's up. Everybody's going to see what's going on. But you're right. A lot of what we were reading is that would have given him away. All of that was going on in his head. These are things that he was battling internally. Um, and even at this end here with him howling with the wolves, yeah, you know, adrenaline pumping, coming out of clearly the biggest, most intense battle he's ever been in, taking out a fade, like, yeah, even if he wasn't wolfing out, you know, maybe that's something you would do. So it's, 
odd a little bit, but still not really telling. Nothing's probably really been given away yet. The only one that truly yet. can probably comprehend what he's going through right now would be Min, Lan, and Moraine. And I say that in the sense that Moraine yeah, and Lan know what's going on, but don't necessarily know what he's going through. Min can see it. She already knew it. She's known it for a while. She's known it since she first met him without his differences. Um, yeah. I love how Lan covers for him in a very factual way. You know, yep. he says, true blood of Andor. We don't really know what that actually means. Like, true blood of Manethrin, yeah, we can gather that. True blood of Andor, like, do we really know what that means? How you really define that? Like, the true blood of Andor could be this mix of yeah. different types of beings. Yeah. I mean, maybe way back in the day, you go back far enough, maybe there were many other wolf brothers from that bloodline. Exactly. Maybe that's where they get their stubbornness and their fighting spirit from. Yeah. And each different bloodline yeah. in Andor could have different, you know, attributes or traits. Yeah, but but poor O'Paran, he's already down on himself. And what is a bit of a compliment from Lan, and maybe not necessarily a cover story, uh, that's the way Perrin takes it. You know, he lowers his eyes in embarrassment. Lan had saved him from the questions he did not want to answer, but gave him an honor he did not deserve. Um. And even like at first I questioned that, but I was like, okay, wait a minute. This is Perrin's thought process. He's thinking he didn't deserve that honor. Um, I mean, I, I certainly did. And I don't necessarily think Lan was covering for him, you know? <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So at this point, everyone's staring at Perrin. Uh, Perrin pushes away the wolves um, and, you know, says he's all right. And, and Lan kind of gives him some praise, like, good on you you know you did a great job in the battle and Perrin like tells men and goes but but Leah died so like he couldn't save mm -hmm. her he's really yeah. yeah he's just stuck on that no matter how well he did kill Trollocs like his main goal was to stop men's viewing which was impossible but he didn't know that well, he did know that he just wasn't accepting it and then the Shinarans here, so Masima's is like, it was a sign. The wolves fought, even 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 the beasts fight for the dragon. The wolves came and fought. Yeah, apparently you know, that was pro um, prophecy, right? Sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yes, yeah, so, yes. Yeah. So Masima started, you know, talking about how yeah, it's obviously a sign. It's a sign to firm our shuts Even up. wolves came to fight for the dragon reborn. In the last battle, the Lord Dragon will summon even the beasts of the forest to fight at our sides. It is a sign for us to go forth. Only dark friends will fail to join us. <laughs> Wasn't he the one that like absolutely hated Rand? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he was. Yes. What a hundred and eight. right? <laughs> now he can't get off his balls. <laughs> Do people say that anymore? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's 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 about right. Um, yeah. Uh, and Uno shuts him up, saying that you know, uh, uh, you because know, he's saying that you know now we have to follow Rand wherever he goes. And Uno's, you know, say, hey, we'll leave whenever Rand says we'll leave. We're not, you know, this is not a sign that we have to leave right now. Um, and, and almost in the same sentence, Uno suggests that they skin the wolves, huh. and Parrot immediately tells him no. Like, yeah, which that would have been a fight right there. 
I appreciate yeah. the sentiment, though, even though, like, he's got reason behind it. He's like, he's by our sides, they died for us. We bury them with our own, like, that That was nice. You know, I like dogs, so if it were mm-hmm. cats, I'd be like, ah, he should just burn them. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, people, I'm kidding. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> We just lost 64 <laughs> listeners. Uh, anyways, so um, so so Perrin asks where Rand is, and apparently he's in the hill somewhere. So Perrin goes to talk to, yeah, talk to Rand, and, and he's just yeah, he's pouting up there. Just he's upset because mm-hmm. he did nothing. Um, apparently he couldn't use the one power he tried to. I like that's an easy answer. Nothing happened. Do something. So, like no, nobody else is trying to channel the one power. Go fight. Use your sword. Weren't you like? Aren't you like a sword master now, a blade master? Like, I mean, I mind you, it master, didn't so. happen in front of another. So technically, he's not a blade master. But we all know he is. Use that power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you go from being able to dice up whoever and whatever with the sword and and you you jump from that to well my next step was to pull down the entire mountain on everybody like that's what i tried like don't you think you should like baby step it and like <laughs> i don't know use the sword and like a force push at the same time like go star wars on them and then maybe work your way up to crushing people with mountains i don't know they yeah. just seemed like a big jump i don't know what he was expecting from himself but that that mm-hmm. was a lot yeah yeah and parent tries to make it feel better, but at the same time, parent's worried about himself because he's worried that he's going to lose himself to the wolves. Um, yeah. At this point, that's when Lan and Moraine show up um, to to do some healing. Moraine's been going around healing everyone, even the wolves. Um, so that's pretty nice of Moraine. Very um, cool. Yeah, she heals parent because parent has a pretty pretty nasty gash. Um, he's pretty cut up and and bloody from the battle. And then Rand is pouring out blood. Yeah. Rand, who had not been in the battle, was off to the side doing his own thing, crying, is bleeding, I'm guessing, from the wound he got from... Balls one. Balls, Ballsy? Yep, from Ballsy. So that's interesting. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about... Um, what actually happens when Moraine is healing people and it, it almost, it almost feels like she um, is controlling time in some way, at least localized where their wound is or within themselves. And Mm -hmm. so it's not like she's doing any magic to heal it. Like the natural processes for healing are happening. She just accelerates the healing. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. I guess I should have highlighted better because there were a couple things where Perrin was talking about how he felt afterwards and how other people mentioned how they felt. Um, and then thinking about Rand's wound and like why she's so concerned about it opening back up. Like this might be something that he just deals with indefinitely. You know, if if that type of healing isn't able to, uh, I don't know, speed it up, speed up the process, or it could be reopened. I don't know. Right. I, I, I guess even if I'm wrong, it would it would it would help to understand what's going on with Rand's wound if we understood how it is that Moraine actually heals. Which you know, I don't know I for sure yet. So that's why I started spitballing and trying to. That. 
So I, I like that thought. I like that frame of thought now. Like, mm-hmm. but then there's the whole yeah. the way she described like healing parents back. Like part of it does sound exactly like you're saying. The other part is like it's just happening in the moment. Like everything's like I guess you could say it's reversing. That would be a good way of putting it. Yeah. Ah, that's interesting. Like she's oh, talking yeah. about how the muscles started to knit, to knead themselves back together, and you know, I, I could see that being a reversal of time, or I could just see it as a accelerated healing, like you said. So I could see it as manipulation of time. Never thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> so, Put them floaties on, bitches. Sure. <laughs> sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, and she can't heal Rand all the way, but uh, she heals the best she can and faints from exhaustion. Um, and as this is going on, Rand does start start restarting prophecy as well. And Moraine says, you know, it's not that simple. Like, the prophecy to restart. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I mean, think, think about it in today's context, right? Like, <laughs> how many times are there significant things going on in the world and you have, you know, some group of, and I'll just pick Christianity, I happen to be one, uh, but there will be some group somewhere that reads Revelations and they go, look, the the seven-eyed toad that licks people's foreheads is descended upon us because somebody named Tom in Afghanistan sneezed and blah 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 and look it says it right here and like they kind of twist maybe what it says or they're reading it into it too much to try and see the prophecy being fulfilled and it's never that simple i mean mm-hmm. there's there's nothing certainly not in you know the the uh prophetic books of the bible but you know even um uh what was that guy N- nostradamus or whatever that writes all these predictions for the future. Like even the way he writes it, there's, it's so ambiguous sometimes. Like, I don't know. You, you could find ways to see it happening at any point in time. So. Yeah. I mean, I could be a prophet. I could say like the sun will set. I prophesize this. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, it it could be, it could be that simple. I mean, or, or, or astrology. You ever read? Yeah, people read. They're like, oh, "That is so me." I'm like, "Look, fucker, that's so everybody." That was so bland and generic, and I don't know. So, yeah, we talk about that. Like, CM- CNBC has some characters on there that, like, so for like for investing and for the Wall Street world, that will say like the same thing over and over and over again, and then they claim they were right. So, like, there's. A particular person, his name is Mark Faber, and he writes the Doom, Gloom, and Boom report. And he always says the market's about to crash next year. The market's about to crash next year. He's always saying the market's going to crash. So when 2008 happens, he used he used that as like, see, I told you it was going to crash. It's like, well, if you keep on saying it, eventually it's going to happen. It doesn't mean that you were like wise. <laughs> like that doesn't. Make- like, like it doesn't make you. Right. So everybody's like, "Oh, I need to follow this guy yet because he predicted 2008." No, he didn't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he just kept yeah. the same thing over and over again until he was right. Like that doesn't mean he predicted it. Like, um, 
anyway. Yeah. So, but I, I just, at this point, we've already talked about it some before with the different prophecies from the different groups of people and how they've changed over time and blah, 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 blah. And now I've pretty much shrugged my shoulders and I'm like, okay, as cool as it is when we run into these prophecies and we try to pull them apart and read into it, like, we're never really going to know what they truly mean until we get to the end of the, well, hopefully we figure it out by the end of the last book, but yeah. We shall see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We shall. So yeah, so after this whole healing thing, Moraine passes out. Land carries her off. Um, Rand thinks he should not be trusted. Um, and Land snaps at Rand, like, pull yourself together, kid. Like, <laughs> stop that talk. Like, and Rand's like, yeah, I'll fight. I mean, I'll continue on. And um, uh, Land tells them all to get some sleep that they have plans to make. And that's the end of the chapter. Yay. Yeah. So, this was a fun one. Um, this this it was chapter a great was one. Indeed. It was fantastic. Yeah. So anything we anything we missed? Or... A pretty thorough job. Um, we've been we've been asked a couple of times about what scene we really hope to see in the show, mm -hmm. and I won't say this is now my number one, but it's up there when Perrin takes out the fade. Mm. I I think this little sequence here, uh, his transitioning, like we were talking about from you know, trying to save his humanity and save Leia and all that jazz and then just wolfing out. And I hope when they do it, it's not like when he goes wolf mode that he barely defeats this fade. It needs to be clear, decisive, like just destroys this thing. Mm. And I think that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, definitely. Christian, any thoughts? No, from I you? think we did a really good job, actually. I, I, I definitely love this chapter. It's probably... It is my top chapter at this point. I'm just <laughs> yeah. leaving it at that. It's my favorite chapter so far. Um, I love the, the battle scenes. I yep. love the action. Of course, parents, my dude. So I appreciate this one. Yeah. Chapter six, the hunt begins. And it's the Wheel of Time Civil. So uh, we're not hunting the horn. <laughs> Going back to that. So, um, um, in this chapter, we start with Perrin going to sleep, but there's no dreams, so we get a little excited that there's more dreams, but no. Uh, he immediately gets woken up by Lan, like, a few hours later saying, Rand's gone. Dun-dun-dun! Lan still finds a way to crack me up sometimes, just straight to the point, and there's no explanation mark, there's no nothing, it's just hey, Perrin, Rand is gone. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, but Rand's gone, man. We gotta, we gotta talk. So Perrin gets up, goes to Moraine's hut. Um, on his way, Masima stops him to ask why the dragon had abandoned them. He's a little butthurt. You know, he, yeah, he's a little butthurt by it. Yep, yep. Uh, he's, 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 yeah. Why, why would God. he? Why are we forsaken? Why, why did he abandon us? Groupies <laughs> can be so annoying. Like, come on, man. Your dragon reborn is a person too. Okay. Mm -hmm. Give him a break. Yeah. And parents like, it's not your fault, dude. Like, he has a lot of stuff on his plate, and he probably just wants to dip out and be on his own for right now. Um, and Masima gets the idea as well. If he's if he's left, then we must head out and spread the word of the coming of the dragon. And Masima's kind of becoming like this religious nut, if you haven't 
guessed that yet, but yeah. Yeah, he even said, what sin did we commit for the dragon to abandon us? Mm-hmm. Like, what a weirdo. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'd kick that guy <laughs> out of the group real quick. That's, yeah, that could, that's going to be a problem. But that's that guy. Yeah. He's that one guy that you're always going to depend on when you need something crazy done. Like, you know how back yeah. in high school, like, you didn't want to get in trouble for fighting yourself. So you had that guy. That you know you could be like, bruh, listen, this shit just <laughs> happened. And then that guy would take care of it for you. And he can yeah. handle it because he's crazy. Exactly. And you know he's going to do it because you know he's crazy. Exactly. There might be value in someone like <laughs> So, like, you got to have at least one of those around you. Someone like that, though, is why an organization like the White Cloaks gets started. Because maybe in the beginning, everybody was on the same team. Uh, but then you have one person that's just a little bit more zealous. And then he gets a couple people to believe the bullshit he's saying. And before you know it, you got these people just marching around, accusing everybody of being a dark friend and killing them. Like, yeah, that's we don't need any of that. Is that, is that a prediction that that's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's what I mean, happened. We might like gold cloaks. Gold cloaks. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, th- there's no way in the length of this book and the way things are playing out. It's not like Rand's going to finally go, "Okay, I- I'm here. I'm the dragon," and everybody goes, "Yay!" and everybody just gets behind him and follows him. Like there's <laughs> going to be chaos among the followers and some people that are more extreme than others, and some that still think he's a false dragon and fight him. And it's yeah. Speaking of which, going all the yeah, way back like another chapter or two, we had the term wildling. Just meant to mention that and forgot. Mm-hmm. So like, We're talking about I said I. No, I'm talking about wildlings. How they called Perrin a wildling. Okay. The wolves did, which kind of goes back to the whole gotcha. Martin tie-in and Martin stealing from Jordan, mm-hmm. or is it the <laughs> other way around? Not quite sure. That's all, it's always Martin stealing from Jordan. Jordan came first. Okay. Always. <laughs> Always. At least at least until the later books and then yeah, the first Game of Thrones was written. But yeah, anyway. <laughs> but God, you <laughs> could tell I'm tired because when you said Jordan came first, I, I should have said that she said I, I, I my head and giggled to myself. And I was like, oh wait, I didn't didn't say it. <laughs> yeah. You'll be okay. Well Parent gets to Moraine's hut. Uh loyal men and Moraine are all there. And Perrin immediately goes like, "I think Basim is going crazy." And Moraine's like, uh, "Yeah, we yeah. just need to talk, we need to talk about Rand. We don't need to talk about Basim." Um, like, how did Rand leave? Like, none of the guards saw them. These are Shannarans. Like, they are sharp. They've been living in the borderlands. Like, these people know how to guard. Like, how did he leave? Yeah how did how did Landfear and Celine come and go without being seen? How is it that? Land can slip through the shadows. There's um something suspicious going on here. Yeah, and apparently Rand had left a note. At least you know, hey, you leave a note at least, right? Saying like, hey, I had some dreams and I got to get dip. So bye. <laughs> and and poor loyal, like <laughs> he straight up went to loyal for like some pen and paper. And loyal's like, okay, Rand. <laughs> Whatever. Nothing, <laughs> yeah. nothing going on here. Yeah. 
and then and then Perrin and Moraine start having this argument. Like Perrin's laid in Moraine about like how it's all her fault. You know, if you had to like you kept on like pushing him and and doing your ice to ice stuff, and maybe if you've been more honest with us and forth, you know, forthcoming, you know, you know, maybe maybe we would get to this point. And Moraine gets upset back at Perrin, pushes back like. I can't tell you everything I've learned in the entire lifetime. Like, I don't have time for that. Like, I'll tell you what you need to know, and we'll keep going. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, you, you get the feeling Perrin's not just lashing out about Rand. This is about him also. You know, he yeah. has a lot of unexplained shit going on in his life, which he hasn't even had the balls to talk to Moraine about, really. But anyway, so part of, the, part of that's got to be coming out also. That's also the frustration. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Uh, yeah, and Moraine's really worried because he doesn't think Rand's ready to be on his own. Like Moraine was trying to get Rand ready to do the next step, but he doesn't think Rand's ready to go. You know, and Moraine's like, "There's Forsaken out there right now. Like he doesn't, he doesn't need to be on his own." And parents like Forsaken, like they they're all bound to show gold, and they name a bunch of the Forsaken. Um, so you get a, a list of them here. Says I did not mean for him to go off alone. For all his power, he is as defenseless as a babe in many ways, and as ignorant of the world. He channels, but he has no more control over whether or not the power comes when he reaches for it, and almost as little over what he does with it if he do- if it does. The power itself will not kill him before he has a chance to go mad. If he does, excuse me. The power itself will kill him before he has a chance to go mad if he does not learn to control that. There is so much he must learn, yet he wants to run before he has learned to walk. Like, I I really appreciate the way she put this, Moraine, the way Jordan wrote it, because it allows us all to kind of identify with that concept of learning to run before you walk and really putting, putting the cart before the horse, whichever analogy you want to use he's just very unprepared he has the ability but he doesn't have the capability to do what needs to be done and you know parent keeps pushing it's like you split hairs and lay false trails if he is what you say is did it ever occur to you that he might know what he has to do better than you and she insists yeah he is what he is but I must keep him alive. So she's driven towards almost protecting him. And I wonder what the fact of the matter is. Like, what is her intention here? What does she know that she's still not giving up? Like, what bits of information does she have that we don't? I mean, she finally divulges the fact that the seals are weakening, she says. Some are broke, though the world does not know that. Um... She said, must not know that. The father of lies is not free yet, but as the seals weaken more and more, which the forsaken may be loose already. Land fear, Sam, Sam Mel, Samel, Samuel, Samuel, Asmodian. Asmodian. Yeah, you got that one right. Yeah, Asmodian. And Bala. But, yeah. Bio, but but Bilal, 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 and Ravine. Ravine. That sounds like Indian name. Ishmael himself, the betrayer of hope. But we've heard that name before. Yes. Did we meet him in the prologue, the first one? 
Mm-hmm. The Betrayer of Hope. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Piazamai. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why he was all shady in the dream, because he's really in the solid state, and he's just like phasing in the dream worlds now. Mm. Many names. Shimmering. Sure. Sure. Man. <laughs> hey, you know how I threw out yeah. there that like I I could see Rand getting to a point where like he needs to learn, wants to learn, and all he has to learn from is someone who we would consider evil. Uh considering where he's at mentally now, I mean, think about what just happened. Just existing near his friends and not being able to control it. Uh he injured somebody, shook the mountains. Um, losing control, and then when he needed to be able to channel to save his friends, he couldn't. So now, if he was given the temptation again to learn from somebody, or let's say Lanfear or Selene catches up with him and is like, hey, let's do this together, and I can help you, I can teach you, I think he is definitely primed to take somebody up on one of those offers. And I don't know, so- I don't know if Moraine even knows that's a possibility that he might do that like is she worried about that i don't know but i'm worried about that i could see that happening yeah yeah so we, we learned there's 13 forsaken too yeah. so another ones i don't think they named are agonor which we met in the first book and bethalmiel which got killed by the green man and agonor were the first were the first two yeah. forsaken but but there's yeah 13 total yep yep we don't know all their names yet, but we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the weakest of them is stronger than 10 of the strongest eyes that I living today. So that's pretty yeah. significant. Yeah. Super powerful. They're the most powerful eyes that I in the Age of Legends. So these were super powerful people. Mm. Yeah. And, and Perrin immediately starts thinking about all these children's stories about the Forsaken. And it's like, yeah, these are these are all kids stories that, that mom tells you, you know, to keep you to do your chores and to be a good kid. Like <laughs> these aren't real. These people aren't real. I mean, like they're bound in shale gold, like, but they, you know, um, but apparently they're getting out of their prison. Yeah. So, and then, and then somewhere along this rambling, you know, he, he mumbles bound in shale gold. And then he, he mumbles dreams kind of under, under his breath. And t- and mm-hmm. Ran talking about his dreams yesterday too, and then Moraine loses her shit. Yeah, she's like, "What dreams? Wait, what? What dreams did you have? Dreams? What? Lennon and Oak came what in, did- but she waved them to silence. The small room was more than crowded now, with five people in it besides the Ogier. What dreams have you had the last few days, Perrin? She ignored his protests that there were nothing wrong with his dreams. Tell me, she insisted. What dream have you had that was not ordinary? Tell me. She gave her gaze sees him like Smithy Longs, willing him to speak. He looked at the others. Mm-hmm. They were all watching him fixedly. Even men then hesitantly told one of the dreams that seemed unusual to him. The dream that came every night, the dream of the sword he could not touch. He did not mention the wolf that had appeared in the last Kalendor land breathed when he was done rock hard face or no <laughs> he looks stunned which is the first time i remember yeah. hearing land being stunned or caught off guard by anything mm-hmm. it's rare that he's yeah. anything less than stoic yes yeah, yeah. 
and and Moraine, Moraine immediately turns and asked Uno, "Is like he had dreams and too?" And it was like, <laughs> and it was like, "I dream about swords all the time." I'm a borderlander. So the Trainer shifted his feet. The red eye painted on his patch stared straight at Moraine, but his real eye blinked and wavered. I dream about flint, uh, about swords all the time, Moraine. <laughs> Marine, I'm I'm a soldier. I time I dream about fucking swords all the time. Like, what kind of dumb question is that? Yeah. And him constantly trying to correct himself yep. when he's around Moraine is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then Moraine describes the heart of the stone in Tear. Um, so there's a city called Tear. If you look, go back to the begin the book and mm-hmm. the the map. It's uh, the southern part of, uh, of the map there. But there's a stone of tear, and the prophecies say that that uh, the stone will not fall until the dragon comes. And at that point, uh, but it won't fall until the, the the sword that cannot be touched is wielded by the dragon. There's like kind of a paradox prophecy. Um, but that Rand has to take Kalendor. That's part of the prophecy. And it'd be one of the largest like signs that the dragon has been reborn. Um, it's like, but it seems impossible. Like it's impossible to get the sto- stone. The stone's never fallen in thousands and thousands and thousands of years. It's never fallen, um, but it has to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is going to end up being one of those weird twists. I feel like where we think it's supposed to be Rand who wields it, but Rand plays some other role that allows like Perrin to wield it or somebody else. Or... Just like blowing the horn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, Matt ends up blowing it, but even though Matt blows it, they come to follow Ran. So I don't know. They they're all kind of working together on this, but I, I think we're gonna get one of those one of those plot twists at the end. And... Okay. Yeah, and and you know, but at this point, some of them want to go after her and immediately start chasing on Rand. Uh, and Moraine's like, "We're not sure if that's really where you went yet. Let's go ask around the camp." See if other people have had these same dreams. Um, you know, explains that sometimes, you know, because he's severe and he gets the dragon board, he can push his dreams on other people. And if they're all having these dreams, then yeah, we'll go. But let's hold tight for right now. Um, and and parents are like, well, why didn't you have dreams? And she explains, well, I said I and warders, we shield our dreams because we don't want the dark one to touch our dreams. So yeah. Yeah. We, 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 we can't be touched by that crap. <laughs> but but then she does also warn parent about the dreams, like you know, be really careful. Explain to me. Let me know what happens, and um, they are important. But she's been telling them this since since they left the two rivers. She's brought up the dreams yeah. thing, and uh-huh. <laughs> they've been having them. And I guess nobody's cared to. Well, I guess they right. haven't trusted her enough. So, yeah, right. Back to the old communication yeah. problem. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah. So before we move on uh, past this, when Land comes back with a report, like, what's your thoughts about the sort of tear, about Kalendor, uh, uh, the sword that can never be touched, and mm. what do you think it is? What do you think it is? I mean, it, it's obviously a crystal sword, but like, what? What does? Do you have any thoughts or anything coming to mind? Mm. Yeah. What What's the stone they use in Star Wars to make the lightsabers? Uh, ky- kyber, kyber, yeah. kyber crystals. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Well, I find it interesting that you say it's the sword that's not a sword. 
So I think it's more or less something, maybe a tang reel or something like that, that helps them channel, mm-hmm. you know, sidene. Okay. Ooh. Mm. That would just make sense to me because in his ability, because now you got the sword talking. Well, we do know that Sidene's already talked to him before and given him warning. Maybe yeah. that's what it is, is he finds a way to control the power or to control his channeling or to actually be able to channel like that's that's where my mind is at with that one. Okay. So that that's what I'm gonna think and that's what I'm gonna stick with. Okay. It, I feel like if it's possible that Moraine could shield her dreams and, and land because of their bond, does she have the ability to help other people shield their dreams? And if so, why didn't she do it through, you know, to the boys knowing that this was a possibility? Um, hmm. But then I guess it goes to Moraine understanding that these events need to unfold. And she wants to be able to control them, not stop them. Well, I don't and know. I mean, the connection between a warder and his Aes Sedai is different than, sure. you know, the connection between somebody that she's healed. So I don't know that she can mm-hmm. reach into another person's dream the way she could reach into her warder's dream and help to protect him. I mean, as a warder, yeah. I'm assuming he underwent some special training to protect himself. That would be another assumption that I would make. Okay. So, yeah. So the next scene, Lan comes back um, and says, yeah, most of the camp has had at least parts of the dream uh, about, about a crystal sword or the red columns or some, some part of the dream. Um, and Uno also reports at this point that the earthquake that ran caused opened a new exit out of that other valley that Rand's been hanging out in. So there's another there's another way out of the camp. Um, and he just forgot all so, about it. How absent-minded! That surprised the heck out of me. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah, because an extra yeah. entrance exit is also a different entrance, and that should be covered. That was a lack yeah. in strategy on the part of yeah. Uno there. Right, very uncharacteristic right. to let that slip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this point. Moraine goes into full planning mode. She tells Uno, take all your men, go to Gilladon, um, and stay there, wait for my orders. And Uno protests to Moraine, say, no, we need to come with you. And Moraine's like, nope, not going to happen. Um, she turns to Min and says, you need to go to Tarvalin. And Min's like, like hell I am, go to Rand. Moraine's like, nope, you have to go to Tarvalin. Like, we need someone to go tell the White Tower, oh, what's going on? on uh, if we send a man, we might not listen, but if a woman goes to Nash Thormel and see, it's more likely you'll get through. You have to go. Especially with men um, being men, the, the Amberlynn is going to talk to her at some point. Well, she could always talk to the Nynaeve and Egwene as well. So, Oh, true, mm-hmm. yeah. And they, I'm sure after a year, <laughs> have developed a deeper connection, and she'll hopefully see Matt yeah, and then, and then Moraine turns and asks Loyal and Perrin to come with her to go after Rand. 
Um, and they both agree, reluctantly somewhat. Loyal's, Loyal's fine, but Perrin's kind of like, I guess. Yeah, you know, I want to know when Loyal goes <laughs> crazy from missing the studying. Like, is that going to be book seven? Who knows? I think we got a little time. Yeah. That's what it could be like. <laughs> Our heroes win the day at the end, and they're all standing there, like at you know the end of one of the Star Wars films. They're getting their medals, and the trumpets are playing. And then you see Loyal off to the side, like just twitch, and then <laughs> everybody and everybody dies. <laughs> he just <laughs> and hulks out on him. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yep. Roll credits. Uh, did you read the last book? <laughs> <laughs> I read the last page. I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. Uh, all right, all right. All right. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and Min turns to Lan and is like, "Well, if I'm going to Tarval, and uh, do you want me to send a message, maybe to Nandiv?" And Lan's like, "No, <laughs> why would I want you Damn you! I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, I thought you. Would. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, what's happened in a year though? Have they like really gotten into a real relationship? Like, does it communicate yeah, with I their mean, office? Not, I don't think so, but I think there, there's something there. I don't know. There was at least before they all got separated. But wait, so am I missing something? Like, was it so obvious to other people, or is this gossip among the girls from when they were in Tarvalon, and that's how Min knows, or does Min know because she could see things? Kind of around people. Mm. Or, you know, supposed to really know why it's so obvious to men right now. I don't know. I, mean, I think it was obvious that maybe not to men, but to everyone that was traveling with them in Eye of the World because they thought sneaking off together. Like you think about like in the Blight, yeah. in Eye of the World, like they went off together to talk and and then he came back crying and it was like all these little things like that. Like so, anyone that was traveling in that party yeah. would definitely. But mm-hmm. men wasn't with them, so nah. there had to be some gossiping at some point. Right. Who knows? Doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't. So anyway, so at this point, men goes to speak to Perrin al- alone, um, and she tells him about the new viewings. Uh, too much to Perrin's dismay. Perrin does not want to know what she's seen, but she says now that. Now that you decided to go with Moraine, new things have popped up around you, and I have to tell you. So we're going to talk about these, and you tell me what you think about them. So the first is Aiel in a cage. Spot on with... my rage, I'm still an Aiel <laughs> man in a cage. <laughs> oh, no, this Rand's going to get captured. Continue. Okay. Rand's going to be captured in a cage. Okay. And then a tinker with a sword. He's really the one that is going to teach Rand how to find his Zen and control the one power. Okay. And then a falcon and a hawk, both females. That's where it just gets freaky. A wolf and two birds. Don't know how that happens <laughs> biologically, but the combination is going to be off the chain. But like okay. the hawk is what Shannarin is that right? Um, what I don't was, know what their sigil is. No, there, is but one of the sigils was a hawk. Which one was it? People in the Twitter sphere and the in the Discord sphere. Which one was the hawk? Uh, they, I mean, there was they, Archer Hawk, but they, all, they, but they all know what this, they all know what this means. I know, so but like, it's not, it's no, not but I mean, like, the hawk. <laughs> Chris, Chris is always fishing. 
Like, come on, guys, chime in. Yeah, somebody unmute Go yourself. On. Let's hear Go it. Help, help, help me out. Maybe there's like two women to choose from. Like, maybe. Okay, so Chardarian is a hawk. So maybe there's a Chardarian woman who comes to parents' aid. And then what was the other animal? I forgot already. A falcon. a falcon. And there was a falcon, a falcon too. Which one was the falcon? We have two banners to represent both those uh, birds. So maybe a woman from each one of those areas comes and directly interacts with parent, and maybe he has to choose. These guys get a lot of options. Where were my options at? Like I love Chanel. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but like, so there's no, there's no falcon banner. By the way, no falcon banner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's yeah, got options like, yeah. uh, there's eagle there's there's eagle banners like the eagle yeah, of Br- Minefra Falcons yeah. on the way okay Falcons and on the one way. of those there two women are going to be maybe the parent takes both of them one for his left and one for his right or maybe one belongs to parent and okay. one belongs to young bull I mean when you got balls like bull you may need to <laughs> uh, okay. It's getting late, guys. I'm becoming vulgar. So, <laughs> so, so parents gonna get multiple girls. Got it. Um, yeah, she doesn't know what it means, but she knows it's really important. Man, man doesn't know what the viewings mean, but they're really important. Um, and then she says her last, or one of her last parting things. She says, also, if you see the most beautiful woman you ever seen, run. <laughs> Frustrating. Like, uh, why can't she just say, by the way, I think I met Lanfear and this is how she looks and stay away from her? Like, that would be good advice. But this, if you meet a woman that's beautiful than we've ever seen run, generally, when you hear that from a female, there's some sort of jealousy there. There's some sort of wanting to own you, control you, keep you away from other women. So Perrin is not wrong into the going down the route and making the conclusions he made from that comment because she made a stupid comment. She could have communicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, was, that was frustrating hearing. I mean, they're all stupid. Yeah. All of them take turns and not saying what See, they should was say. was a black Don't girl. I'm already looking at but her. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then parent, 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 parent goes. Yeah. Parent goes into the whole "I like you like a sister" thing, and Ben's like, "Oh, I like you like a brother too." And they have the cute little. And parent and parents kind of like, uh, you know, kind of ask a little bit more into it, and, and Ben's like, "No, it's rad, rad. I'm bounded, bonded to rad, um, like." And that's the end of the oh, chapter. Yeah, see, so you're oh, skipping over all course. the good stuff. I told him. All right, Rand, go back. I did a viewing of you, and it seems I have to fall in love with you, and I have to share you too. And I don't much like that, but there it is. You're a wool-headed wonder, after all. Parent, I, how you say, Abara? How you pronounce it? Abara. Okay. Abara. She's. I know I could help him somehow. Lights. If he dies, I don't know if I could stand it. So she, I love the picking. I love the back and forth, like a brother and sister. I love how she gets called out, and she's like, "Dude, really? You you think I'm gonna let him know?" And he's like, "Does a Gwen know?" And she's like, yeah. <laughs> "She didn't. Well, she should have said that. That would have fit in there. Like that would have been perfect. But she's too nice for all that." 
But, uh, you know, having mm-hmm. to share her man, she seems to be quite okay with it. Like, again, what, I, I don't necessarily want that, but I would like the option. I'd like to be able to say, no, I don't really want that. These guys just get it naturally. Like, <laughs> it must be like a ratio of like 60 to 1, 60 women to 1 male in this world. So they're like, the women are all clamoring over, like, let's just, let's just all share them. He's not the best looking guy, but we'll make it work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anything? So that's how we wrap up this chapter. Unless you guys have anything else to add about this whole. No. Okay. So thoughts about all the chapters? Anything we missed from all of them? Perrin is definitely think- not a block anymore. He is. Yeah. Graduating from that. He's yeah. pretty awesome. Perrin is pretty, pretty awesome. awesome. I. Again, the deeper we read, the more it just confirms that this book is going to be more about parent. And I, I dare to say we're going to get a little bit of Matt in there, too. But I'm excited to have definitely yeah. from the parent point of view. I'd be happy if this is a parent book, because what's, what's shaping up for him is looking like a really cool story. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm digging mm-hmm. it. Cool. All right. Favorite characters? Oh. Ah, shit. Young Bull. Young Bull. No, I'm differentiating. <laughs> Young Bull was my favorite character. Not parents, but Young Bull. Okay. I feel like I should say something different, but, I mean, you you nailed it. That was probably the moment I was most excited about and when we read here. So. Well, I, I, then I'll say it. Leia. I appreciate Leia. Her, oh, I don't. Her, she, pisses, she pissed me off. Her too. death full-on brought about young <laughs> Okay, in that The depression that okay. he had, he was really trying to hold it in, and then it was like she came and he came for <laughs> Yeah, yeah. They came together. She, she was his tipping point to full woofdom. There you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She still pissed me At off. At 3 a.m. Yeah. shake in the morning, like, hey. What you, doing? <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta grab Destiny with both hands, baby. Anyways. Giggity, giggity. So, next, next week when Vance is on, we're going to be covering three chapters. Um, so those chapters are the way out of the mountains. So we're finally leaving the mountains. (laughs) He said, we're leaving the mountains. You spoiled Uh, it. Well, that's what, that's what it says. That's what the chapter title says. I mean, that's, that's what it says. Okay. And then the next chapter is Jara, um, which is a name of a town. Yeah. And then, uh, wolf dreams. Hmm. Ooh. I'm ready. Can we just skip ahead? Yeah. But who has the wolf dreams? Maybe like they maybe Jordan really messes with this and like Rand starts having wolf dreams too. Oh, wouldn't that be crazy? Maybe they're mm-hmm. trying to like warn him since parent Alyssa. Or maybe Elias is getting up in the dreams uh, to be like Or maybe Elias made this chapter all about Elias. We haven't seen him in a while. Yeah. Okay. Mm. 
Interesting. I'd be down for that. Interesting. I yeah. miss Elias. Prof- profound. Profound. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you guys excited? Uh, anything Anything for these chapter titles that, that sticks out? I mean, once it's a city name, The Way of the Mountains, Wolf Dreams are kind of yeah. the – You said Wolf Dreams. Just, Way of the Mountains. Kind of- Indicative. I mean, okay. they're gonna. They one of them ran probably finds his way out. They probably stalk him and get out, and they discover mm-hmm. that shit's going sideways everywhere. And they get the and that's where a second chapter picks up. And you know, Rand's trying to figure out what his name is and how he's gonna get to where he's going. And and then we have the wolf dreams, which is gonna be awesome because mm-hmm. it's gonna be a whole thing. About our very whoopee, yes, yeah. In some way, Sounds that pad good. Oh, right. Well, like, and then he's gonna pop back out. Pad of fans gonna randomly pop back up, and then pop back out. Finish him. Eight, well, eight loyal. Put the book down. We're at we're at the end. Do you have anything you have to say about these chapters? Oh, yes, um, Tavirin. All right, yeah, thanks, Doyle. Yeah, geez, I don't even know why I asked. My goodness. This guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> that's, all, that's all he ever says, Tavirin. <laughs> Anyways, so I'll go to wrap it up. Uh, how we can be found at The Wheel Reads at uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um, The Wheel Reads at gmail.com is our email address uh, www.thewheelreads.com is our website um, our patreon is patreon.com slash thewheelreads um, come, come support us there it's the best way to support us um, helps us make this great uh, podcast uh, and uh, it, it makes us makes us do better more better guess, more giveaways more better more better do better yeah it's late. I've been drinking. <laughs> I don't know how to talk anymore. Join our Patreon. It's great. Discord, join that too. That's free. It's a lot of fun. Um, Zul will greet you. And um, yeah. Um, also, more importantly, what is Loyal drinking right now? And <laughs> now he's, he's eating yeah. honey cakes and he's getting it all over the book and it's just pissing him off. And then he's taking shots of whiskey to you know, take the edge off. So yeah, it's, it's a vicious cycle over here. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. So yeah. So also like besides discord merchandise, you can definitely help us out there as well by buying stuff from us. Um, those links can be found on our website. Um, other than that, just rate us, like us wherever you listen to us, uh, tell your friends about us. If you have a friend that's, uh, that's on the fence about like what to read next and they're like, uh, I just want to read a book, tell them, read Will of Time and check out our podcast. So that would be great. Other than that, I got nothing else. I would say sucker your friend into it and just give them Eye of the World and let them read that. And then when they're like, oh, my gosh, are there more books? Be like, well, yes, there are. <laughs> there are many more. <laughs> But wait, there's more. About talking about six years, ignore the group, follow the book. Just yeah. one book, no biggie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, anything for you guys? Anything yeah. else? Until next time. Peace. 
Thank you for listening to The Wheel of Reads. See y'all next time.